Happy New Year, everyone. Happy 2018. Welcome to the weekly Yes Am podcast. I'm your host, Travis Thomas, the host of the weekly app and the creator of Live Yes And. So happy New Year. This is episode 96, I believe. Full transparency. It's still 2017 when I'm recording this. I'm not actually in the new year. So I'm in the past talking to you in the future. It's mind-bending. I know it. Uh, But no, first podcast of 2018. Happy New Year, everyone. And uh, really excited that uh, my first podcast of 2018 is interviewing a gentleman who is a fantastic guy doing fantastic work. His name is James Leith. um, And we are going to talk to him in a few minutes. But just want to, uh, again, welcome everyone into the new year. Remind everyone that it is the new year. And with the new year, we all make resolutions. We uh, have tweaks and changes that we want to make to ourselves and to our year, but most of us end up falling flat uh, as the year goes on, whether we make it a day or a week uh, or a few months. uh, Eventually, a lot of those resolutions we commit to fall flat, and I am here to help you this year with, again, uh, Get Unstuck in 10 Days, or 10 Days to Get Unstuck. The next one is starting January 8th. You can sign up on my website under events uh, for $30.00. You will get unstuck with 10 days, 10 activities, 10 videos, access to our Facebook group, one-on-one access to me, a free e-copy of my book, three words for getting unstuck, live yes and, and uh, just a fun uh, and great way to start off the new year, um, look at one specific aspect of your life you want to thrive in, and uh, and just go at it. And so again, that starts in two, in, well, it is 2018. That starts on January 8th. And if you put the promo code YES in, you will save $5 on the course. So $25. Come on, please. That is one cup of coffee at Starbucks. Don't uh, fact check me on that one. So here we go. Episode 96. We're talking to James Leith. James is the former uh, head of leadership at IMG Academy. Most of you may know the IMG Connection because I worked at IMG Academy as a leadership coach. James came in after I was gone, so we never worked together. But we actually, we worked together once where IMG brought me back to do a conference and James and I presented together. We hit it off big time. James has since left IMG recently to start his own company called Unleash the Athlete. And uh, I've been reading James' blogs and, again, following him for a while now. He's doing great work. And uh, I wanted to get him on to tell his story. His story is awesome. I mean, again, I don't want to spoil it for you, but we've, we're talking mascot. We're getting some inside scoop at what happens to a college mascot who turns leadership expert. I love it. It's such a great story. James is a, is a great guy. So uh, without further ado, let's jump in to uh, this week's Yap with James Leith. So James, how are we doing today? I'm good, man. How are you? Good, James. Excited to finally get you on the podcast. You and I connected for the first time uh, just over two years ago, I think, and uh, I was really impressed and uh, really enjoyed hearing your story uh, about how uh, you ended up doing what you're doing, and, and I know that has continued to evolve. Uh, you know, you, uh, you now have, uh, you're the founder of Unleash the Athlete, and you just formally left um, IMG Academy as the uh, the head of leadership. So, uh, so tell us, James, about Unleash the Athlete and and the work that you're doing and 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 why you're passionate about it. Well, I appreciate the intro. Uh, you know, it, it actually starts a, a long time ago, probably 15, 16 years ago now. 
where I was introduced to this world of improv that I've learned a lot from you and listening to your show. And uh, I haven't caught you live yet, but man, I can't wait to see you live. And uh, <laughs> that, that's going to be a lot of fun. But I love to watch your videos and I follow you on Instagram. I was at a show, my very first improv show, maybe 16 years ago, and thought this was amazing. Like, they're making up stories right on the spot. And they would use my suggestions. There was only like 20 of us in the audience. And one of the suggestions they took, and they go, you know what, can you come up here? I said, oh, okay, I'll go up there. You know, there's only 19 other people in the audience, so I'm good. So I get up there on stage, and when the bit is done, they, they kind of, one of the guys leaned over, his name's Charles Gooch. He's like, hey, do you want to stay on stage? And uh, I've never been afraid of the stage. I'm like, yeah, I'll stay. <laughs> so I stayed for two years. <laughs> I was there for two years, and I just loved it because where else in the world can you say something and they just say yes and they move on you know i mean it's the crux of your business and so um, i just love that idea and at the same time i was playing football uh i was, I was done with college and i was chasing a dream and to, to play up in the, in the pros and i was playing on the semi-pro team and we were struggling one day at practice and i'm at the uh the water trough thing and i just started one of these i don't remember what game it was but i just started one of these games where it's kind of like a warm-up game where it's um alphabet story or something like that sure and my guys i'm i'm the only uh white dude on the team and so i have to kind of i've got this bravado when i'm there i'm like hey what's up fellas How you doing? <laughs> and what happened is they just all turned into little kids and they were just having fun and we were laughing and stuff and all of a sudden i saw the demeanor of practice change and I tried to look for other reasons why I did, but it really had to do with just kind of goofing off around the water trough instead of talking trash on the coach or complaining about something. So I was like, there's something here. Well, I was also coaching. So I started doing some improv type games at practice, um, the football practice. And the kids were really responding well to it. And so it, it, I had no idea that years later that it would be something where I would, I would do it as a full-time gig. I had no idea that was even possible. Um, but I kept on doing improv, uh, no official training until I took a course down in Los Angeles and, uh, just, just kept using it. And so it evolved over time. And when I finally found, uh, IMG Academy, literally the title i think it was improv coach do you remember I, yeah not, I, for me uh, title. yeah for me i think it was improv and leadership coach which i which i'm like this is a joke right this can't exist <laughs> right right well i'll back up a little bit in college i wanted to be uh, a college football player that was my dream i wanted to play at fresno state and i was offered uh, a preferred walk-on and a few weeks later i limped off i got hurt pretty bad mm. and ended up um, not playing there but what happened was the cheer team said hey uh, we know that you know you're not playing football would you come and cheer and i said no <laughs> i'm not gonna do that they go well we actually want you to be the mascot i said yes i will do the mascot and so i got to combine uh my love for sports and being an improvisational guy because a mascot is all about being just spontaneous yeah. for the moment type thing and I can't talk and so it's all body and the other thing great about a mascot is I have a VIP access pass to anywhere I want to go as long as the play is not actually going on so in the middle of a football game 
if it's a timeout and I and that was the mascot's name, timeout, and I want to run across the field, <laughs> I can just run across the field, and I did. If I want to go hang out in the end zone and flirt with the other team's cheerleaders, I totally can. All appropriate. I can go up in the stands, basketball games. I would literally stick my big old head in the huddle during timeout and listen to our coach, Ray Lopes, talk to the, the basketball teams. And so I had this access to all these coaches, and they trusted me. They also knew me off the field and off the court. I remember one time at a football game, the long story short, this mascot wouldn't talk to me, wouldn't, wouldn't want, didn't want to play, which that's a big thing in the mascot world. And uh, he ends up third quarter going over, and he was a dog too. I was a bulldog, and he was a bulldog. And he, like, lifted up his leg and peed on the goalpost, you know, like like showing disrespect. I'm like, finally, he wants to play. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. So I run over to him, and I'm like, all right, man, let's go. And uh, I kind of push him, and I look towards the ESPN camera, and I kind of do, like, the muscle man pose. And all I remember is the guy from behind the camera, he starts pointing at me and screaming. I can't hear him. But at the last second, I turn around, and I see two huge feet coming towards my face. This guy was like Adam Sandler and the water boy, like coming at me and trying to kick me in the face. He wants to fight for real. I, I got that real quick. I get on top of him. He's trying to rip my helmet off. My boss comes over. I'm just like, I'm like, what is going on? And so then we go into the tunnel and I take my helmet off. He takes his helmet off and he goes, oh, dang it. I'm like, what? What was all that about? He's like, I thought you were somebody else. I'm like, you're trying to fight me? Like, you thought I was someone else? Dude, we're, we're, there, we're entertainment. He's like, yeah, well, a couple years ago, I was in the locker room, and the other timeout, like, we actually fought. And so it was a total misunderstanding. And so then the next day, I get, I get a text message like, dude, you made top ten hits of the week. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, yeah, it's on ESPN. Like, so apparently when I saw the feet, like, I grabbed them, slammed them down, and got on top of them. And ESPN was like, top ten of the week. So – and, and I still admit I'll find it, but somebody told me that. And, oh, that's, uh, that's fantastic. That. So I'm, I'm on the treadmill Sunday morning, and I'm running. And I'm just exercising. And the head football coach, the guy who offered me the walk-on, he comes next to me. His pet name is Pat Hill. And he's jogging next to me. And uh, I'm like, I wonder if he remembers me. I'm just jogging. And he kind of takes a break and gets both feet on the outside of the treadmill, looks over. He's like, hey, Lee, great hit. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh, that was the most amazing thing ever. He goes, if we hadn't scored in the third quarter, we were going to give you the trophy for the best play of the game. Like, oh, that was fantastic. And so I was able to, like, to, to merge my love of athletics and my love of, of the yes and philosophy. Uh, and, and it turned into what I'm doing today with, with my business at Unleash the Athlete. Oh, I love it. I mean, there's so much there. There's so much there to talk about, you know, because it, to the 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 player to mascot uh, transition, it's it sounds like a Disney movie, James. You know, uh, you should actually make sure you secure rights to your story before Disney snags it. Um, That's funny. I never even thought of that. But that like you have this like overzealous athletic mascot who's still like reliving his playing days like. 
That's hilarious. Yeah, and yeah, then, and then funny. you know, you go and then you go on, you know, to uh, uh, getting your masters and going into the world of sports and leadership and coaching. Uh, there's a real story arc there, you know. There's a real story arc there. I'm just saying. So, so, so tell <laughs> yeah. me. So take us. Actually, you know what? I don't think a lot of people, myself included, have uh, had an opportunity to go inside the mask uh, of an of an actual mascot. So as you make okay. that transition from from athlete into to mascot you know what was that what was that like for you what was that skill set because like you said you can't talk so you're having to do everything through uh through nonverbal communication and body language so you know uh take us inside the mask what are, what were some of the difficulties but what were some of the key sort of uh, uh learnings that you had uh, uh taking that role on that is a great i've never been asked that question that's a good question there's there's pros and cons uh there are some that are pros and cons so like the pro and con number one uh women really like mascots i noticed that uh, <laughs> they would they would pay attention to the mascot and they would always assume that we were guys for whatever reason that was my experience and again this was 10 11 years ago yeah and so they would they would grope me and that's a pro and a con like you know, right. there's there's like it's like oh i get attention but then you realize I'm in a dog suit. She has no idea what I look like or who I am. And this is kind of sexual harassment. Right. You know, this is, yes. this is weird. And and so then you get all this attention, which is a pro. And as soon as you take the mask off, let me give you an example. Um, I lived about a half a mile from campus with a guy who, uh, he had cerebral palsy, and I was his nighttime caretaker. And so I would ride my bike in the dog suit to the game. Uh, down uh, this street called Bulldog Lane, uh, Barstow <laughs> Avenue. And I would ride in the middle of the street, and people loved it. And I'm wearing a helmet, so if someone the idiot like, wants to run me over, I'm, I'm kind of safe. But, I mean, that became kind of like a tradition, and, and people would like talk about how, oh, I saw, I saw Time Out um, on the street. And uh, so I would, I would do that, and everybody would pay attention. Everybody's like, hey, T.O., what's up? And then I'd go home. I take the mask off and I take the suit off and I'd ride my bike home and I tried one time to ride on the street and people were not having it. They were, get out of the street, bum! Like, you're an idiot! I'm like, oh, that's right, I'm not wearing the suit. And so you have to remember that you're no longer in that identity. Right. And and so, but then there would be other times where I'd be on the field. Uh, I'll give you an example. So Derek Carr, yeah. the Raiders, they come to IMG every year when they play Florida teams. And last year when he came, because I was the mascot around when he was uh, when he was at Fort Fresno State. The last time they came, I was like, I gotta go see Derek. Like, I wonder if he remembers me. And so I go down into the weight room, and IMG has amazing weight room facilities. And uh, I kind of see him, and he's a funny guy. I don't know if you ever follow him, but he's he's an amazing leader. His players love him. I remember watching him like the defensive line. These big dudes are like doing dumbbell presses on the benches. They've got, you know, they've got one of me in each hand and they're just going and he'll go over there and like stick his finger in his mouth and put it in their ear, like while they're lifting and they love it. Like they're just like, come on, GC. And I'm sitting there watching them. I'm like, this is their leader. They like their leader. Like this is why the Raiders have been more successful than in the past. So anyways, as a side note. I see him and I go, I go DC and I yell it really loud. And he kind of turns around. He's got two weighted vests on and he's doing pull-ups and he sees me and he goes to and i'm like my 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 
metaphorical tail is wagging, right? Like, oh, he remembers yeah. me. So I go over and I hug him. And then I remember, I was like, do you remember the last time I, I saw you? And he goes, remind me. And I said, you scored at Fresno State. We chest bumped. I got on all fours. And then you walked me across the end zone. <laughs> and he goes, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. But see, the thing is, is that's improv. That We made that up on the spot. We literally chest bumped. I got on all fours. He saw it and goes, yes, and I'm going to walk you. Yes, and it was just right. fantastic, right? And so it's little things like that. You make these connections. The, the the women's volleyball team loved timeout. They included me or the the dog in their their team huddles, their prayer afterwards. I mean, they really embraced them. Softball team, same thing. Um, the, the men's basketball team, they just they loved it. And so I had a lot of fun. And a, a side note from that is that it made me. You know how people are like fanboys or girls and they see someone and they're like, yeah. oh my gosh, that guy's amazing. Well, what I didn't realize is that when I got to IMG and all these famous athletes would come through, I didn't have that sense of like, oh my gosh, it's so-and-so. Because I had gone through that at Fresno State. Right. Very, you know, you're, you're just like, oh wow, hey, it's nice to meet you, Cam Newton. You know, what, can, I, can I get something for you or something? You know, it's like no big deal. Uh, and so that that whole like being in the mass thing and the other thing is it's extremely warm yeah yeah was i had i was wearing an ice pack as a as a like a vest of ice oh wow yeah i had to wear these uh surgical gloves and then put the 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 dog gloves over it so it wouldn't be all wet because you high five if you high five a mascot and his, his furry hand is wet that's disgusting <laughs> and so you have to be aware of what you look like but you have to be aware of the experience that that they have you know it's, it's like when you bring somebody on stage for improv you want that that guest that uh, visitor to have a good time as well as the audience so you're like you know planting hey say this or do this you know you're trying to help them out so that way they look good because you know one of the rules of improv is that if everybody looks good you look good right the more you help somebody out to look good the better and so we would have visiting mascots and i would set them up for success i'm like hey this is what you're going to do you know whether i'm I'm going to i'm going to rappel down from the scoreboard and then you're going to come in and you're going to save me because that last few this last few feet are really scary for me for some made up reason and then they become the hero even though i'm the one that just repelled 40 feet from the ceiling. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but it's all about the, the the experience and and showing them and the entertainment for them well i love the example that you give about uh you know you and Derek carr in the in the end zone and it's you know it's interesting because i don't think a lot of people especially when you're watching on tv i don't think it registers for a lot of people that the mascot is not talking Right. Because it's it's such a big personality. I think people are assuming like, oh, they're they're probably still talking through the mask and they're they're leading cheers or they are they're instructing people to do things. And, and they're not. So you are having to communicate completely based on nonverbal communication. And, uh-huh. and and then now, obviously, as you know, as a mental coach and as a leadership coach, as far as what you teach now and, and your improv background, you know, you and I both understand just how nonverbal communication and leadership is and uh and and how um how you react and how you respond you know just through through body language alone the impact that has on others and and giving people the impact to to sort of yes and your idea like Derek Carr did with you in the end zone yeah it's funny to watch Instagram and you see all these uh parents who have their young kids and the kids are just 
terrified of Santa. That's like a rite of passage that yeah. you have to cry on Santa's lap. And so, you know, a lot of my friends have young children, and so you get to see those and you laugh. And I have pictures of myself being terrified of Santa. But the, one of the biggest challenges as a as a big dog with a uh, with his mouth open, there's a blight and it's in its darkness in there because that's what I see through. But then there's these sharp teeth, and a three year old sees that. Well, a thirty-year-old sees that and like, oh, cool, it's a dog. A three-year-old sees that and says, "That thing's gonna eat me. I'm gonna die right now. I'm terrified." <laughs> and so I can't go, "Hey, no, everything's okay. It's gonna be all right." You know, I'm a person in here because they literally think that there's a walking dog with a Fresno State football jersey on. That's that's their real life. And so one of my favorite challenges is seeing some kid who's scared of me and then being able to make him smile. So I would cover my eyes, which is like my forehead, you know, right. I can still see them. So I cover my eyes and I, I pretend like I was scared and I get really small. I, you know, I get down to their level and they come up to me and I kind of like shudder. So it lets them know that, Oh wait, so he's maybe scared too. And then finally get to the point where they just like open up their arms, which is total vulnerability for a kid. And I just grab them. And that's a huge win. And that's probably one of my favorite moments of being a mascot is when you win over a kid. Because a three-year-old is not going to a basketball game to watch basketball. They're watching the mascot the whole time. Yeah. So being aware of that and being aware of and, and, I, and the way I translate that into when I'm working with teams is that if you're the star, they're watching you on the, uh, on the court, but they're also watching you on the bench. And they're watching you doing warm-ups. And they're watching you kind of like, you know, not really pay attention to the game when you're not in. Like you're always being watched. And especially recruiters. The, the recruiters that I've talked to, and big names come, came through IMG, and, and I, I still um, am working with some of them. And it's interesting that they, one of their things is they're, they're there to read body language. And they're there to watch the athlete when the play is done. Because they already know the athlete's good. The video, they, you've got the, the huddle video, highlight film, all that stuff. Sure. But this one, this one coach came, and uh, one of our quarterbacks overthrew the ball. Receiver went for it and then missed it. And I, then I, I thought the play was over, so I started talking to recruiter. He goes, hold on, wait a second. And I, I didn't know what he was looking at. And it was about 10, 15 seconds afterwards. He goes, okay, what were you saying? And I go, what were you, if you don't mind, man, what were you watching? He was like, I came to watch what happens after the play in practice. And I said, well, what happened? He goes, well, he just left the ball there. There was nobody out there to get it. He turned around, and he walked towards the huddle. I go, what's that mean? He goes, that means he won't play for us. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, like right there. One that he, that kid, uh, and he didn't. He went and signed with somebody else. But he's like, he, he's not going to fit our program because he's, he's not paying attention to the details. And he's got this entitlement attitude where the ball was overthrown, so it's, it's not his fault. And then he's not going to go get the ball. So I'm watching the ball. The ball literally stayed out there for five or six minutes. Nobody got it. And it was maybe 10 feet from the guy who could have gotten it. And that was just such a life lesson for me. It's like people are watching you when you don't think that they're watching you. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. And it's it's interesting, you know, you use that, uh, the analogy of you as a, a dog and a three-year-old. And, you know, a lot of times that dog is is your star player you know in the huddle or or on the team and that 3 year old is 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 the rest of the players on the team you know how how is you know how is he or she going to respond to them are is 
are they presenting themselves in a way that is invoking trust and support um, and camaraderie, you know, amongst other team players? Or are they keeping them scared and intimidated, right? Which, which we both know only hinders the overall teamwork and collaboration. But all yeah. the, yeah, all those skills that, you know, where, you know, where are kids, you know, getting this type of training outside of the work you've been doing and, you know, the work I'm trying to do and, and different people are doing. Um, so, so James, tell us then in, in, in your, in your yes anding of life, like how do you go from, um, player to mascot to head of leadership at IMG Academy? <laughs> <laughs> So I was coaching and I was teaching at the high school that I went to, and uh, there was massive cuts in California in 2000. Uh, gosh, it was a while ago, 2007, 2008, and uh, our district we they got rid of 300 co- uh, teachers, and I was in my first year of teaching, and so uh, towards the end, the uh, the uh, superintendent he called me in and he was my football coach. He's like, hey, we held on to you as long as we can. Uh, we're letting you go. I'm like, I went here. Like I teach special ed, I'm working with the varsity. Like, there's no really. And he goes, it's it's a it's literally a matter of budget. It has nothing to do with your talent. And that really that that phrase really stuck with me because yeah. it showed me that it doesn't matter how good you are in certain environments, the decision is being made for other reasons. And so I decided, okay, well, I'm no longer going to pursue being a teacher in a in an academic sense at a high school. What I want to do is become uh, like a, a resource to these coaches and these teachers. And so um, I started personal training and I started working with a bunch of different teams and I stopped working with just one team as a coach. And instead I came in and I helped them with mental conditioning, helped them with, with planning practice. And up to that point, I already had about eight or nine years of, of planning practices and being, uh, being a coach. And so I could offer some value. So then I went, I got my master's in performance psychology and it's just such a fascinating field of study because it has to deal with all these nerves that you get when you're on the stage, whether it's the actual theater stage, whether it's a police officer or a doctor or uh, an athlete at, at any level, uh, because the, the, the nervousness that a 10-year-old experiences at their first at bat when their dad is in the stands is real. And that's it's extreme. And it's uh, obviously when you're a 29-year-old at the Olympics, the stakes are much higher, but the feeling is the same, and you're still nervous, and that's that's your world. And so I just wanted to dive into that. And so when I found IMG Academy, I actually applied to be a mental conditioning coach. And when I met the, the hiring manager, or one of the hiring managers, he says, you know what, you're, you're more of a leadership kind of guy, uh, and I think you should pursue that. And so I did, and I was hired, and I, I, I called you because you know I know that you had been there, and you gave me some great advice on what to look for and what to expect, and just really decided that I was gonna I was gonna use all my experiences to work with most of you know some of the most elite athletes in the world, and so I was there for two years, and I, I was able to focus primarily on leadership and character development which has to do with the communication and the identity portion and the connection to your team and the culture of your team and not so much the science of being a better athlete, but actually the science of being a better person, Mm. which in turn makes you a better athlete. Right. And so uh, my father became ill 
in, in June. And so I kept on traveling from, uh, from Bradenton, Florida to Dallas, Texas. And my, my boss was very, uh, I comforted him. He helped me out. He allowed me to go, but it came at a point where I was just like, ah, this is too much travel. I, I need to be there. And so I resigned at ING and, uh, didn't know what I was going to do because when I was there, I was, I was all in. That's kind of been my thing. Like when I'm somewhere, I'm all in there. And so I didn't really have any backup plan and I uh, just decided, you know, I, I should probably keep doing what I'm doing in some capacity. And so I thought, you know, what would I, from 10 years from now, what could I be doing that I'd be still happy that I'm doing? I said, well, I'm doing it. You know, I was doing it at ING. I was doing it before with different teams. So I started Unleash the Athlete. And the story behind that is that athletes are tethered by all these outside distractions and all these people and all these expectations. And if I could give them the tools and the strategies that I wish I had when I was a younger athlete and I can unleash them to be better, then that's what I want to do. So our curriculum is based around leadership development, the communication tools, the identity pieces, but then also mental conditioning, which is the, the breathing, the meditation, uh, the, the goal setting, the imagery, the vision, uh, visualization. So you merge all these things together and give these, these athletes at any level I work with, grade school all the way through the pros, and it, it really just kind of unleashes them and helps them to, to get to their best uh, at a more consistent basis. Yeah, you know, I love that. And, and again, we'll, we'll get into here in a minute um, your new venture of Unleash the Athlete. And I want to talk more about what you want to do with that. But for our listeners out there, James, you and, and you know, in those couple of years at IMG Academy, you probably logged over a thousand hours of teaching hours working with, you know, youth, college, professional elite athletes. What are, you know, what are the two or three, you know, sort of nuggets uh, uh, from working with athletes over and over and over again that you feel, you know, are often the most overlooked or most valuable when it comes to just uh, uh, the, the quality of leadership or performance? Great question. So I think that one of the most overlooked things for an athlete or just a person, a high-performance person, is distraction management. Mm-hmm. One of the blessings of being at IMG as an athlete is there's not a whole lot of distractions because Bradenton's kind of far from any real trouble that you can get into in Tampa. You got to you got to get. I mean that's a 45 minute drive, and so when you're here as a visiting athlete, if they're very intentional about having no outside distractions, you know, and there's professional athletes walking around the campus, and there's there, there's no media hounding you, there's no mingling with the students that go there. Uh, you, you're very much there to train, which is why so many Olympians train there. And so I think having that, that just ability to really focus and not be distracted is huge. And one of the things that I'll teach my athletes is the simple distraction of the phone and taking control of the notifications. And that you don't need to hear a ding at 1 o'clock in the morning when somebody sell, sends you a sales email. Right. And turn that off because that'll wake you up. And so you you lose that, that amount of sleep because it wakes you up and then you're out of REM sleep and then now you have to get back into it. And the best drug you can possibly take as an athlete legally is sleep. <laughs> Getting enough sleep that yeah. your body can regenerate itself because you don't build muscles on the bench. You build muscles on the bed. You know, you break down the muscles on the bench. I've never said that. That's, That's great. You wait, wait, hold on, hold on, man, <laughs> hold on. Capture that for a second. 
That was fantastic. Say it again. I'm going to use that one. Say it again. So you don't build muscles on the bench. You build them on the bed. You break down muscles on the bench. There it is, right there. Build up. Beautiful. Beautiful. So that's that's it. Um, And and if you can unleash an athlete and can unleash a person to go and be better and not have to be so bogged down by all the distractions in life. Do you ever watch the Dave Chappelle show? Uh, yes, I do. So one of the first episodes was he. One of the questions that he postulates is, "What if malls were like computers and, and going around the internet?" And so he would go around the mall, and every pop-up ad that you would see, like on a computer, was that somebody they'd run out of the store and they'd yell at him. And it was there were some really obscene things, but he'd be walking, and all these pop-up ads would just come up out of nowhere. And he was just like, yeah, leave me alone. He's like, how do I get rid of all these pop up ads? He's like, well, they're part of life. And uh, they, would, they would distract him. He's like, I'm here to buy some boots or whatever it was he was there to buy. And then he finds himself in like a perfume shop and, and eating hot dogs and all this other stuff. And he finally goes home and he's like, dang it, I didn't even get the boots. Right, right. <laughs> you know, it was so distracted. And so, I mean, how many times have we done that where we go to the store to buy one thing and spent hundred dollars we get home we're like dang it we didn't get the eggs it's the only reason we went <laughs> to the store we yeah get distracted by everything yeah so that's huge that, and that, that's that's really big i think the other one is just learning very basic principles on how to communicate hmm. uh, to an audience personally so like being able to present and having all those hours of logs like you said uh, presenting um was was such a a blessing to me because i was able to really understand like what an audience is going through and, and how to respond if an audience member or an athlete is not interested or they're too interested or they're late or they're like all these different things. And so getting all these, all these different, different uh, situations yeah. as, a, as a presenter. So right. That was, that was a big blessing. And, and again, right. You know, we're, we're, we're talking about skills that, uh, the most coaches, you know, actually, I mean, let's be honest, let's mo- most coaches at the, at the top level aren't building in, uh, practice time uh, in into their into their sessions, and so you, you uh, uh, trickle that down to youth sports, and there's just no time for that type. Of, well, there is right, but there's no, it's not built into the overall sort of training of an athlete. And then, quite honestly, a lot of you know coaches who are sports specific don't maybe necessarily have that skill set or that tool set to uh, to know how to properly teach some communication skills, some team building skills, some character skills. Um, which hopefully brings us to the work that you're doing now. And for, for those of you who are listening, I really highly recommend that you go to James's website. You sign up for his blog. James, you write beautiful, beautiful blogs on the topic uh, of, of leadership, of helping parents, athletes, and coaches. And, um, you know, again, to speak to that audience a little bit, especially, you know, parents and coaches, you know, what are, you know, what are some kind of one of those one or two top things that, that you feel every parent or coach needs to know in order to, you know, support a youth athlete. Wow. And that's another couple hours right there. (laughs) Uh, There's a company called changing the game project that um, I've worked with for a few years now. And uh, John O'Sullivan, one of his favorite things to tell parents is when that ride home, when, when the kid lost or, or won, you know, they don't really want to talk about the game. And the best thing you could possibly say to them is, I love to watch you play. That's it. 
Like, yeah. I love watching you play. And then you just leave it at that and let the kid enjoy the experience. And so many parents, they want to take over the experience. They want to take make sure that the kid has everything. I saw a, a baseball dad a few weeks ago carry um, his 11-year-old's son's baseball bag all the way to the dugout, hang it up, pull out a baseball bat, and hand it to his son. Okay, go, go warm up. So he tells him. Because I'm standing there and I'm watching this whole thing. And I don't know about, about you, but I'm thinking this kid doesn't have a chance. There's no way. Like, there, there's no way. I mean, I, I literally, and this sounds like a cliche, but I had to ride my bike three miles after school to practice wearing my bag through a community that was all about getting in trouble. And like, it was kind of like a, it was a very bad community. And so I'm, I'm, it's like exercise for me. I'm getting through there really fast because I don't want to get beat up and, and steal my bag. But then I had to ride home through that. And so, that made me appreciate the experience. That that whole that made me appreciate it. And that father is robbing his son of any kind of ownership in that experience of playing baseball. Yeah, that's that's funny. You know, this morning my son my son does a pre academy uh, soccer training three mornings a week, <laughs> and uh, um, we're getting ready to leave this morning. You know, it's like you know seven forty seven forty five, and you know. I'm ready to go. And uh, he looks at me, he's like, hey, did did you get my water bottle? And I'm like, why would I get your water bottle? <laughs> I'm like, you, you know where your water bottle thank is. You. Oh, <laughs> and, thank you. And, you know, it's like, not to say I, I haven't, you know, I'm in the kitchen getting ready. I'm like, all right, I'm going to fill his water bottle up this morning. And, you know, but like he looked, I'm like, hey, what? no. Like, and uh, and it's, it's funny. But, yeah, you, you mentioned that. And, again, I have been guilty of that. And I catch myself guilty all the time of going, whoa, well, well, this isn't, you know, they're, they're going to ex- give our kids everything. Yeah, sense. exactly. Yeah. Their experience doesn't need to be served up on a silver platter. Like a, the privilege, the privilege is the opportunity to, to play. And, and it is, boy, I tell you what, you know, as, as a parent, it is, it is tough, right? It is tough to, to watch your child fail. Um, but if you can, <laughs> if you can allow yourself to let them fail, um, the uh, the benefits and the growth, right? I mean, obviously, please, that's what I try to teach, right? But, but the benefits and growth are so valuable. And, and, and for parents to be able to take a step back and, you know what, your kid forgot his glove at practice. Don't sprint home and get it for him, right? Like, that's going to be a tough practice of him sitting there and not, not practicing. He's probably not going to do that again. You know what? He'll probably also learn how to field with no glove. <laughs> right, right. Which is a great skill. <laughs> yeah. And so when we when we give our kids an easy way out, we take away from them a lesson on how to be successful. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I worked at a, I did a presentation for a school in Jersey a few years ago. It was an all boys school, and I walked. There's one door to get in and out of this whole school, and it's a big glass door, and there's one sign on it, and it's in like large font like 40 or 50 large font and it says if you're here to bring your son his lunch turn around and go home <laughs> isn't that great yeah like, thank you yeah that's fantastic you know and so I, I, that's what for parents and, and it's it's very difficult to see your kids struggle and it's and you want to give them everything but as an adult we have the privilege of knowing that through adversity comes triumph through that 
kind of pain, managed pain, right? If the kid is you know, a knife sticking out of his arm, you don't be like, hey, be tough. You know, like take the knife out. But like if whatever whatever struggles they're going through, that's how we learn. And we can rob our kids. Of, I wrote I wrote this article a couple months ago called The Zipper Phenomenon, where I watched this woman let her son struggle with the zipper of a jacket. Mm. And she could have very easily gone down and just be like, zip. And he was like, Mom, I can't do it. And she's very calmly, she's like, yes, you can. Mom, I can't do it. And yeah. finally, when he does it, it's that beautiful moment where he looks up at Mom and goes, ah, I did it. And when parents ask me, how do I make my son mentally tough? That's how you do it. Right. You let him struggle. Right. Jocko Willink has this great podcast. He's a Discipline Equals Freedom. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a book that he wrote. And uh, someone asked him, how do I get my son to stop partying during college? And he goes, stop giving him money. (laughs) That's it. Right. That's how you do it. If someone will text me or email me, uh, how do I make my son or daughter more mentally tough? I'm like, well, have him get a job. Right. On their response, but they play baseball all year long. I said, well, that's very sad because they shouldn't. Because by the time they get to the place where you think you're going to get your investment back, they're going to be burned out and not want to play baseball anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we know this, right? Uh, and I, you know, parents, parents are often the biggest obstacles to their children's success, not because they don't love them, but because they, they love them too much. And Precisely because they love them. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Very and well I, and I can't think of the gentleman's name. He's the the blind gentleman who now teaches other blind um, people to live a full life through echolocation. And you know, and he basically says, he says the biggest obstacle from from blind people living full, rich lives is the loving family around them, because they don't want to see them hurt or get hurt in the process of learning. And I think you just you can take that to any any degree as far as as far as parents, you know, and, um, you know, I and I and I see that in myself all the time. But all right, man, well, let's let's talk about Unleash the Athlete. So hold on. We got to talk about the coaches real quick. Oh, yes, absolutely. Go back. Thanks for catching me. So absolutely. So the, the, the thing that I found with coaches is that they think that mental conditioning and leadership development is an addition to practice when it's very much a part of the practice. And that's what you and I, we teach is like coaches, it doesn't have to be an additional thing. It just right. takes a little forethought. If if a kid is struggling on, uh, let's say the basketball shot, then you break the shot down, but you, you let them struggle a little bit. Or if they make a, an error in a football game, I remember this one kid, he, uh, he, he fumbled. And so he starts coming out and uh, I meet him halfway. I'm like, oh, Maddie, what are you doing? He goes, I'm coming out. I go, why? He goes, I stumbled. I was like, why'd you fumble? He's like, I had my arms wrong. I go, can you get your arms right? He showed me. I was like, good. Get back in there. You're getting the ball. He scored the next play. And years later, when I talked to him about it, he remembers that situation, that I trusted him to make up for his mistake. Whereas a lot of coaches would have taken him out. Go sit down. You fumbled. You're making an a-hole out of me. Right. Hold on. I have nothing to do with you. (laughs) The kid is human. And, you know, Derek Carr fumbled yesterday on the goal line, cost the Raiders the game. Like, you take him out, Derek goes to sit down, you loser. Right. You know, like, no. Right. You don't take him out. He knows what he did wrong. And, you know, with, with, as parents, we want to talk about the mistakes on the way home from practice and, or the game. And that's one of the worst things you can do with a kid. Or as a coach, if you can leave them in, 
And they and there's a difference. If the kid makes a mistake and he's like, I don't care, coach. Okay, take him out. But if the kid makes a mistake and knows they made the mistake and acknowledges it, leave them in there. See what they can do. Now, if they make another one or the same one, now it's a coaching problem. You take them out. You need to teach them the technique. But those little situations, that's how you build leaders. And if you tell kids, hey, I need you guys to step up, and they're eighth graders, they don't know what that means. Right. Especially if you're in a community where these parents, they give them everything that they want, and they have all the best gear and stuff. Why do they need to step up? Mom and dad will step up if there's a problem. And so that's it's one of the things that I try to tell these parents and these coaches is that, you know, if you make things difficult in practice, it's going to be a lot easier for you in the game. Right. Because they've gone through that anxiety. You can't. You can't expect adversity to be absent in practice and expect them to be a leader during the game because you can't have leadership if you don't have adversity. There's no reason to step up if, it, if there's no, no kind of problems going on. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And 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 yet yeah, turning uh turning leadership into uh having that be something that is talked about and addressed uh in practice, in training and as 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 a coach to build that time in. Uh Yeah. So I love that. All right, man. Unle- all right, so now we can talk about Alicia. Ah, yes. All right. So, we go. all right. So, what, 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 what's your goal? What's your, what's your vision? What ultimately, you know, are you fired up and wanting to do with Unleash the Athlete? Well, there's two things I'm really excited about. The first is it's pretty easy. It's, it's online courses. I've got a couple online courses that are going to be released over the next few months that uh, an athlete or a parent or a coach can take and just learn the basics of sports psychology leadership development, um, improv for athletes, or even like some basic team building activities. So those are the four courses. And uh, they're going to be on my site. Like I said, they'll be released in the next couple months. But the thing that I really love is going and working with teams, going and working with a a staff of coaches. And uh, I know you do very similar work. And, uh, you know, it's it's a lot of fun to to watch. Like whenever I see you do uh, Rock, Paper, Scissors, Cheerleader. Yes. It's just... It's just no matter who you do, like it's always a winning activity. And it just it sets these anchors for the coach to be able to go back and be like, do you remember the energy that you had when you played that stupid game <laughs> when Travis was out here, when Coach Leith was like, do you remember that? And the kids would be like, yeah. I'd be like, okay, find that energy. And so what I find in, in my work is that what I'm doing is giving the coaches the ability to kind of put down an anchor and be like, remember when you learned that? Like, let's work on that. Or uh, I'll do, you know, like when all the kids, they get out on a tarp and you have them flip the tarp without getting off the tarp, you know? Right, right. It's one of my favorite activities. What I find during that activity is the kids, they start communicating, but they're rude to each other mm-hmm. because that's how they communicate. That's, that's all they know. And so when I'm in session with these kids, um, even adults, when we deal with adults, and somebody says something that's kind of off-putting or rude, I'm at practice, and so I can literally like just, just stop. All right, so person A, you said this to person B. Can we all agree that was kind of a, a jerk thing to say? And you know, the guy's like, "Oh," so I'm like, "Hey, hey, no judgment, but did you do you see how that person would be shut down because of the way you said it?" So let's erase that, and then let give me someone else. Who, what can you? How can you say what he wanted to say, but in a nicer, more accepting way right and that's a lesson for everybody so now all of a sudden we're learning 
that what you say matters and how you say it matters and who you are when you say that matters. All because we're on a tarp and we're trying to flip it over without getting off the tarp. <laughs> and so it's these little tiny activities that um, are experiential. And I could stand up there and lecture all day long, just like <laughs> when you and I were in high school and college, and that's how they taught, and they wonder why we didn't learn anything. Yeah. Or I can get them on the tarp, or I can get them outside, or give them a hula hoop, or do, do all these other things, and during their their experience, coach them up. One of my favorite things to do is, it's actually right before the tarp, because I haven't taken off all their shoes. And I'm very nonchalant about it. I go, all right, guys, uh, everybody take off your shoes, line them up over there on the wall, and then get on the tarp. So I've got two tarps. They're all in there. There's 25 kids, yeah. and they're split in half. And we do this exercise and all the stuff I just talked about. And then I go, okay. And the shoes are behind me intentionally. They're all on the wall. And I go, I want you to imagine you're at a tournament, and you walk in, and the only thing you know about the other team is how they – lined up their shoes take a look at your shoes and I'll turn around I'll look at those shoes and they're just all over the place they're upside down they're untied I go what does that communicate about the team who owns those shoes and then they just start ripping the team Mm -hmm. (laughs) forget that it's their shoes and they're the team but they're like they're undisciplined you know they don't match they probably don't play very well they're not paying attention to detail I go so already that team has a disadvantage because the other team has a sense of confidence that, look, at if that's the way they treat their shoes, it probably in the rest of their life is not very good. I go, so what if you came in and the shoes look nice? I go, I'm going to give you 30 seconds, and I want you to fix them. And so then they go over there, they tie them, they put them in color, order, and size, and like it's just beautiful. And I step back and I go, all right, close your eyes, and then when I count to three, I want you to open them, and what do you see? And so I go, one, two, three, and they open up their eyes, and they see the shoes lined up, and I go, is that intimidating or what? They go, yeah. So then I get text messages from coaches weeks later of shoes and bags lined up on the sideline. Yeah. Love it. detail. Love it. It's that idea of making your bed. Right. You know, if you make your bed in the morning when the Navy SEAL gets out of his bed and he's he's, um, inspected by his instructor – and he's all dressed up. The instructor doesn't look at him. He looks at the bed. If the bed is made perfectly, he can assume that his outfit looks good too. Right. Right. I love that. I love that. And again, for for a coach who is listening or a parent who is listening, uh, that that takes five minutes. That's a five minute activity at the beginning of practice. And whether it's the shoes or uh, or their bags, their bags that are just strewn across the sidelines. Uh, when they get to the field, right? Same idea, same principle, but instead of you standing on a soapbox and giving them a lecture about how messy and disrespectful they are, right, you turn it into an actual fun, insightful activity. Well, yeah, and then, so you have these coaches, they're wearing their sunglasses, the sun's behind them, and they're yelling at the kids. (laughs) Right. And they're like, why aren't the kids paying attention? It's like, first of all, you're comfortable because the sun's behind you and you have sunglasses on. Yeah. You're standing up and you're yelling down at these kids. Why don't you turn around, take a knee, take your sunglasses off, take a beat, and relax, and have a conversation with these kids. Yeah. That will be more powerful and the almighty coach with the son in the background yelling at his or her players. Yeah, 
Yeah. And you can give a role to every player, like every week. Say, okay, uh, Jordan, you're in charge of the sideline looking good. And if it doesn't look good, you will have to pay the price. They do it good for one week, and now, all right, Jordan, I want you to nominate somebody. Nominates Chris. Now, Chris does a terrible job. Now he's got to do bear crawls across the football field. (laughs) And so what does that teach Chris? It teaches Chris that he needs to learn how to communicate effectively to his teammates, get your stuff lined up. That's leadership training. That's that's not in a John Maxwell book. You're not going to read that in a John Gordon book or any other Johns out there who write books. Like, but what you're going to do is you're going to instill a sense of confidence and leadership experience in the kids that no certificate or education is going to actually give them. It's that experience of, I had to do this when I was a kid. Right. And it, and it, and it grew from there. Right. And, and, and again, you know, it's not rocket science, right? You know, I say this all the time. If it's rocket science, I wouldn't be teaching it. Um, mm-hmm. But it does require, right? It does require a certain level of, of humility, of, of vulnerability, and, uh, you know, some, some self-awareness from, from, from coaches to, to realize that there's a whole lot more going on to coaching and performance than what drills you're running at practice. And so... Um, I right. love I love that James man well, you and I could talk this is I'm sure this is part one of, of many podcasts to come um, so uh, all right how can people find you on the internet on social media how can they follow your newsletter go ahead and shamelessly plug yourself well I mean uh, thank you and it's been a pleasure it's always fun talking to you man uh, I'm, I'm on Twitter Instagram just James Lee that's my name uh, that's another thing I teach the kids is like get their name in social media and no one's going to give a scholarship to swanky pants two four nine or whatever <laughs> uh, so um yeah james lee uh on twitter on instagram and then that's my website is uh, unleash the athlete and I, like i said I, I send out that coach note every week it's just little it's like 500 words i think i'm at like 78 percent last week read it on their phone yeah. Which just blows me away that people are reading so much stuff on their phone. Yes. Like, yeah. I try to keep my phone. If I could have a 3G phone that size where it's kind of rounded the iPhone, I would keep that. But it doesn't even work anymore. Um, <laughs> but, like, these phones are getting bigger. You've got these laptops in your pocket. So people are reading from them. It's great. Awesome, man. So, so that's it. Awesome. Well, hey, man, it's such a, such a pleasure to have you on. And again, I know I know we'll be doing this again and excited to, to see what ways we can collaborate again moving forward. Um, but, uh, but thanks so much, man, and, and so much good. And again, for all you listeners out there, um, and, you know, I'm, I'm such a fan of, of James and what he's doing, and uh, I know you will be too. So, uh, so make sure you connect with him. And James, man, thanks for jumping on the app. Oh, it's my pleasure, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, my God.